about that. That's my bad. I was thinking we're going to do Bible memory next. All right. Amen. That was a good, good song service. Thank the Lord for those beautiful songs. Praise the Lord. My heart was blessed. Let's come before the Lord in prayer this time. Amen. God, we thank you for this Lord's Day, a day to set aside and worship the Lord together with other believers. Lord, thank you for that, for this opportunity. God, we pray for your spirit, your Holy Spirit, Lord, here today to reveal Jesus to us, illuminate him to us, God, that we might see him more fully through the eyes of faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this blessed, blessed gospel that we have, that we can see Jesus by faith. Whom ye love, though ye see him not, yet we see him, Lord, by faith, and we love him. Father, I pray for your blessing on the assembly here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I have been blessed with our memory portion in First Peter, and especially one verse that I'd like to share in a meditation here this morning, some thoughts for us. If you want to turn there to First Peter chapter one. <clears throat> Just a sentence of one verse kept standing out to me as we would memorize it at home and personally and here is the church group. And that is verse 11 of First Peter chapter 1, verse 11. And the phrase that I want is the last phrase of that chapter when it says where it says actually the two last phrases when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow the part that really got me thinking was the glory that should follow If we think of the setting that this was written in or prior to this, what they call the Dark Ages, 400 years of silence, basically, no speaking prophet. And Jesus, it says, he came to people that sat in darkness, in gross darkness. And when he came unto his own, his own received him not. And then he suffered, and then the glory that followed. And I want us to think about that for a little bit here this morning. 
We'll talk a little bit about the sufferings of Christ, but more my thoughts are on the glory that should follow. Let me now go back and read a few more verses to kind of get the context here. Let's start in verse 8, 1 Peter 1. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, I'd like for us to look at this through the prophet's eyes for a moment. Let's take Isaiah, the prophet, for instance, here. He lived, I believe, around 700 years before Christ, prophet Isaiah. That's a long time, 700 years His father's name was Amos, and as you well know, he, he, he grew up in the time when there was animal sacrifices, blood of bulls, goats, lambs, turtle doves was shed for sin. This was a very common sight, I'm sure, to, to Isaiah as a little boy as he would run along with his parents to, to the temple or to, the, to worship, and and. His dad, different times of the year, would take a young lamb, maybe the pet lamb, perfect lamb along, and Isaiah would see perhaps the knife slit the throat, the blood shed, be gathered into a container, poured on the altar. That was a sight most likely common to Isaiah as a little boy growing up. He was used to hearing the bleeding of the sheep and the, seeing the shedding of the blood dripping from the sacrifice. And I'm sure Isaiah learned the law well. I'm sure he knew the books of Moses. He knew what the law said and how it should be done. At least he came to know that as he grew up. And sometime in life, God began to speak to Isaiah. God began to speak to Isaiah. I had to wonder what the first time was like that God spoke to, the, to Isaiah. I don't know that I could find that. I didn't spend time looking for it. But just, just think with me, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah for the first time and giving him a message to bring to, to Israel. I did read in first, first Isaiah a little bit there, first chapter of Isaiah, and it was not a nice message that he brought. He brought a very hard message to Israel because they were seriously backslidden. I don't know if that was the first thing that God brought to him. But anyway, God began to speak to Isaiah. And Isaiah, 
is one of those prophets that spoke and prophesied a lot about Christ 700 years before he came. He prophesied about Christ's suffering as we have there in Isaiah 52. And just turn there with me briefly to, to look what he, what he said. Isaiah 52, the last few verses, and then 53. Isaiah 52, verse 13. God came to Isaiah and told him, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, and he hath no form nor comeliness, And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. I think we'll stop reading there. Now, as Peter tells us very clearly that they didn't, as the word of the Lord came to the prophets, they didn't necessarily even fully understand what they were prophesying. This was a bit of a mystery to them. Imagine being in the Old Testament setting and hearing this word from the Lord and trying to figure that out. Peter says that in in our text here, it says, that, I'll go back there again. That the prophets inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. So it looked like they maybe asked each other, holy men got together, what could this mean? When could it be? Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When could this happen? 
One thing was made plain to them that it wasn't for them, but it was for a future time, as we see in verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that preach the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. I imagine when this came to Isaiah, he, he tried to figure out when this possibly could come to pass. 700 years later, around 700 years later, it came to pass. He might have wondered what it says in Genesis 49 when, uh, <clears throat> when Israel or Jacob was blessing his 12 sons just before he died. He gave each of his son a blessing. And when he came to Judah, he said this. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh, the Messiah, Come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. I wonder if Isaiah thought, you think this is what it's talking about? Maybe he thought about what Zechariah said. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It wasn't very plain to them what it was all about. Jesus himself said, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Many prophets and righteous men. I think it's good for us to consider these things that it might become a little more precious to us. They spoke. They knew the word was from the Lord. What could it mean? They inquired. They sought. They searched. They compared scripture, I'm sure. But it was a long way off yet. It says of those in Hebrews 11, that whole collection of godly people. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect or complete. Brothers and sisters, We are privileged people. And I know I don't don't, uh, realize it as much as I should, but as I meditated on these verses in Peter, the glory that should follow after Christ's suffering, it was a very gruesome and bitter suffering, but the glory that should follow, that's what we want to look at now. Let's remember it's Peter that's saying this, the glory that should follow. And let's remember that it was Peter that preached there in the book of Acts chapter 2 at 
at Pentecost. And I think this is at least in part the glory that should follow Christ's suffering. Turn with me to Acts 2. Acts 2. The glory that should follow. Precious indeed. Acts 2, there at Pentecost, verse 12. You know the story, I'm sure they were, many were together there from different parts of the, of the world. And it says in verse 12, they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter... This same Peter that wrote the epistle that we are memorizing, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he takes them back to a prophecy that even longer than Isaiah, it's hard to determine when Joel spoke these things, but maybe upwards to 850 years ago. Joel prophesied this. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Glory, more glory, amen, amen, amen. And the glory that shall follow, brothers and sisters, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Precious indeed. Imagine Joel receiving this word. In the time frame that he was in, way back there, God came to him and said, It shall come to pass in the last days. And here it came to pass. Jesus himself said in Luke 4, there after his temptation there in the wilderness, he was out there being tempted of the devil, I believe it says for 40 days. And when he came back, He went into the uh, synagogue and he opened the scriptures to the book of Isaiah and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, God, hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Glory? Yes, glory. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's glorious. To preach deliverance to the captives. 
sin shall no longer have dominion over you. And the glory that shall follow. The glory that shall follow. You can have your sins forgiven. You can be free from the bondage of sin. And the glory that shall follow. And the recovering of the sight to the blind. Glory. The Spirit of God shall come down and illuminate His Word, and ye shall see things people never saw before. That is glorious. And the glory that shall follow. The Spirit of God came upon these prophets, and they prophesied of the suffering of Christ, and the glory that shall follow. Brothers and sisters, that is our time. That is in our day, that is for us to experience the glory that shall follow. The opening of our eyes, the anointing to preach the gospel, the grace to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Yes, dearly beloved, this is glory. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is the time that the prophet Isaiah in chapter 12, we won't turn there, but in chapter 12 he said, In that day shall ye with joy draw water out of the wells of salvation. More glory. Glorious, amen. The glory that followed. These things are tremendous. I don't know where you're at in your Bibles, but let's go to Peter again in closing here. Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter 1. As I... Read down over these verses and come to this. And the glory that should follow. How am I doing in this, Lord? Am I experiencing the glory that should follow? The power, the victory, the joy, the glory that God had in mind for us, believers, New Testament, after the sufferings of Christ, believers. How am I? How are you doing, brother? In the provisions that God has brought through Christ. The glory that should follow. These things the angels desire to look into. And if you study that word look into it means to to stoop down. To stoop down. And to earnestly, intently study something. It means to take it like to the window where there's lots of light. And get all the light on the subject that you can see everything clearly. That's the picture of this looking into that the angels do. It says here, they... they, uh, They desire to look into, to pour over. Are we pouring over the things that God brought to us through Christ? 
Or are we just flippantly, haphazardly reading over it and missing so much? It says the angels in heaven desire to look into. I found a comment on this, and this is what I'd like for us to take from this meditation. If the holy angels are struck with astonishment at the plan of salvation, and these things be objects of deep considerations to the angels, how much more so should they be to us? Amen? If the angels desire to look into salvation, how much more should it be to us? Last scripture, Second Peter chapter 1. Look at it, brothers and sisters. Verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. How do we get knowledge of something? By studying it, by pouring it, by getting into it, by being close to it, by shedding the light on it. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Glory and the glory that should follow. Amen, brothers and sisters. The glory that should follow, given all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand 700 years ago. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Amen. God, open our eyes. God bless.